from Boss Track, It's Her Hype Squad, a show about amazing women who've made incredible strides as leaders in their industry. They're here to support you and your leadership growth, to encourage you and hype you up as part of your Hype Squad. Hello and welcome back to a new episode of Her Hype Squad with Boss Track. I'm your host, Michelle Harris. This week, I talk with Karen Holiday, COO of the domestic platform at Innovare Communications, a worldwide leader in the fundraising industry. Karen and I talk about showing up and being real, earning respect, knowing your voice, and even cutting out sugar. We also dig into managing our fears as things change at work and controlling our reactions to things we can't control. And we have a very special call to action for Brene Brown at the end. So who is Karen Holiday? Karen is the Chief Operating Officer of the Domestic Platform at Innovare Communications, a worldwide leader in the fundraising industry. With her dedication to leadership, Karen Holiday has made an impact in the lives and careers of many and has helped in the successes of a number of organizations. Karen has over 30 years of experience in the world of operations. Prior to her current role, she held senior positions at companies such as Fiserv, Hart Hanks, Sourcelink, Discover Card, and Toppin Merrill. She is known for her expertise in business as well as for having excellent people skills. She is currently serving as Program Advisor for Women in Leadership at Valparaiso University. She's an active member of the OnCon Senior Council and a public speaker. Because of her love for this country, Karen is a veteran and has served in the United States Armed Forces. She is equally passionate about volunteering to help others. You might find her helping to build homes for Habitat for Humanity or aiding in a food drive in her local community. Now, without any more delay, let's dig into my conversation with Karen Holiday. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for joining us on Her Hype Squad with Boss Track today. I am excited to get into our conversation. We are going to be talking about making changes or pivoting while also respecting your authentic self and something that, especially in today's environment, is is so applicable for so many people. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'd love for you to start by giving a little intro of yourself to the audience? Sure, sure. Hello. Uh, glad to be here. Well, hi, I'm Karen Holiday. I'm the currently I'm a COO at Innovare. We're a nonprofit organization that our tagline is we help people who help people. So we're, you know, work with agencies that help people all across the uh, all across the country, actually, and internationally as well. So background about me is I am married. I have three children and five grandchildren. So I am very happy to be here and looking forward to the conversation. Great. Thank you. Oh, that's great. I have two kids and one is about to get married. So looking forward to that stage of maybe eventually soon being a grandparent. So it's, it's a, it's the best job in the world. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've heard, I've heard. Um, So like I mentioned earlier, we're talking about pivoting while respecting your authentic self. So I was curious, I mean, I guess we'll kind of jump right into the conversation. Mm -hmm. So in today's environment, there are a lot of changes required. And how do you stay authentic and true to your own voice and perspective? 
while also being willing to listen to others and make those changes or pivoting when necessary. In your role as COO, I'm sure you see that a lot with, you know, operations. I am curious if you have any thoughts on that from your perspective. Well, it's a great question. You know, I think it's it's challenging for anyone really to, you know, especially in this world and in any position really to, I don't think it's a challenge really to stay, you know, honest, but I think it is a challenge to stay authentic. For women specifically, I think it's a challenge because in this world, you know, we are, we're always trying to see where we fit in. How do we fit in in leadership? What should we be? How do we be? How do we act? When we're in a certain room, when we're in an environment, how do we how do we maintain our leadership authenticity while we're trying to lead specific roles? And for me, you know, my authenticity was always important, right? Even in growing up, right? I grew up with three older brothers. <laughs> so it was hard for me, authenticity was so important. I had to be an individual. And so I wanted to maintain, I, I was always of the opinion that you could be an individual. And still, you could still be a woman, you could still do everything that you want to do, even if you were in a, in a boy's world, right? So I was that kid that, you know, the girl that tried out for the baseball team, even though they weren't accepting, I was in the military, I was, I was a mechanic. So I wanted to, I always wanted to be that woman that broke the barrier that, you know, said, Hey, I can do this. And so, and still maintain being feminine and strong. And I think that's uh, really important to be authentic. So you know, I, I didn't want to change me. And so in every conversation that I have with people, especially other women, when they ask me, how do you, how do you gain respect from other men or other people, or just even uh, audiences of, of employees, anyone, I just say, just be who you are, number one, be true to you. And secondly, um, make sure that what you say is 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 your truth right if you know your subject well you can speak to it authentically and in your own way regardless of what you wear of how you look and you'll be fine mm -hmm. i don't i never needed to change myself in any room to gain respect because i treated everyone with the same level of respect that i wanted for myself and I always understood that I just needed to know my subject and I needed to be me in that room. And so every room I walked into, I understood 100% that as long as I knew my subject and I knew that I could be me, that I could win the room. Mm -hmm. and, I, and maybe I was naive, but when I walked in, I was going to win the room with that in mind, right? So that's, it was maybe fearless, but that's how I felt. Yeah, I agree. I had the same approach as I was coming up as a leader. It's like, I guess for me, I just didn't know how to be anything different than who I was. And in my mind, it was always like, I'm spending so much time here at the office with these people. Like, why would I spend that time trying to be like somebody that I'm not? So mm -hmm. I was always the one like, 
kind of trying to lighten the mood or add some humor or, and right. I, and I will always say, and it probably comes across in this podcast as well, sometimes, you know, very awkward. <laughs> and to, to me, I, I never felt bad about that. I would, you know, you understand who you are, but, the, but it, but to your point, it goes back to, you need to know, you need to know what you're talking about and know the subject, know the topic. And that really gains the respect. And uh, I, I like to say too, that if you are not authentic to who you are, it's hard to build trust with the people around you, because as soon as you start acting in a different way, that doesn't align with who you are, people can see that and, uh, and feel that and are, right. are, are it's just human nature, you, you, you start to feel uncomfortable, and you don't trust that person as much. I, I, I agree. I think people and you know, they know that when they can tell from your actions, if they don't match your words, that you're not authentic. So you know, you obviously your actions have to match what you say. But I think that's why I think knowing your subject and knowing that you can't make promises that you're not going to deliver, right. Mm -hmm. And so I never say anything that I can't deliver. Don't make promises I can't keep. And I'm truthful to me. And so if someone asks me to do something that I'm not, I don't intend to do, or someone asks me to do something that's wrong, that's how I stay true to me. I won't do it. I would rather walk away than say something that is, that puts my integrity at risk. Yeah. So I remain authentic in that. Do you remember back, if you think about when you started out in your first leadership role, was it hard to do that? How did you work through that and not be concerned about the repercussions of, of that? It was hard. It was because what you, what I wanted, you know, I, I look back and it's funny, we, we talked about this. I've talked about this recently with many people, you know, how hungry you are when you're young and you just want so much to get to the next level, the next level, the next level. And so you know, you think, okay, what can I do to get to the next level? And I, and I, I remember being very fearless. I just had this conversation the other day and you know, you do things that put everything at risk to do it. But the one thing I refused to put at risk was my integrity. Mm -hmm. And so I was, you know, I was crazy fearless, but I refused when someone said, you have to do this, you have to lie for me. And there were times that I was asked to do things that I felt were outside of my integrity line. And so I would say, no, I'm not doing that. And, you know, I've lost positions for it. I've lost other things in, as a result of it. And I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. That's, yeah. I'm going to draw the line there. But I do feel that it, it is a tough line sometimes when someone says, well, you're not really saying this, you're saying this. And it, and I think even today, I mean, it, it, early in your career, later in your career, I think sometimes later in your career, it gets worse because you're at the, you're at a level where you kind of have to, you know, you're saying things on the, on the better half of the company. But I think there is a way to always say the truth. This is what I tell people. The truth, that it's always the right, it's always, the truth is always right. There's a right time, a right place, and a right way to say the truth, always, mm -hmm. to maintain your integrity but never sacrifice it yes. for someone else. Because at the end of the day, it's you that has to look in the mirror, right? Mm -hmm. It's you that have, you're accountable to you. And if okay. you can't do that, then, you know, if you change yourself for someone else, if you change, then you're accountable. Mm -hmm. You're accountable to that. So, and people will see through that eventually. Yeah. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And it is, it's really easy to think that they're the pre- feel the pressure that, well, what am I going to do if I don't agree? And they do say, well, you know, this isn't working out. We need to let you go. I mean, I've been in this situation a couple of times myself where I've had to leave a company because I was asked to do something that I was not comfortable from an ethical standpoint doing. And it can be hard, but I felt very confident in my decision and, you know, that I found something else. Like it's, it's, it's a bit, it's a big decision to make. It is. Yeah. It's, it's very tough. It's a very tough position. I think many, many people are put in and, you know, they're tough, they're tough times and tough decisions and companies have reasons for doing things and people are reasons for doing things. And you just have to decide what's best for you and what decision you want to make. Yeah. I don't want to get off track, but I, I wanted to go back to what you said about being a mechanic in the military. What was that experience like going into that as a, as a female? And what were some of the, if you, if you don't mind sharing no, the challenges fine. you faced with that? So, uh, so again, growing up with three brothers, right? You can imagine that, you know, uh, life was kind of different for me. And so when I went in the military, I just picked being a mechanic. I thought, well, this is, you know, this will be good. This is, and I wanted to be the best mechanic there was. So I excelled in class and and did my thing. And uh, I actually was stationed in Hawaii. So that wasn't a bad deal. I got, got stationed in Scopeville Barracks, Hawaii. And, but it was challenging. I was the only woman in the motor pool. And uh, I got made fun of on a daily basis. There was a, a lot of people didn't feel that I, there was a good place for me there. So there was not a whole lot of respect, but I had to earn it. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I worked my way to earn respect. I made a lot of mistakes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I made a lot of mistakes along the way and uh, in doing so and gaining that respect, but ultimately I did. And, and that was, that was good for me. It was a good lesson, good, good lessons learned there. And, and, you know, being in a group of, of men like that, learning how to work with them, learning how to partner with them, learning the ins and outs of how uh, a group of even military, even in the military, I mean, you're with a, a lot of people that all, we all have to work together. I mean, how, how great was the dynamic there? I mean, people from all over the country are together and we have to work together. We're forced to work together. It's not like work where you're you're coming together, you have an employment bond, but in the military, you have to work together. You are putting these tasks together and we, we made it work. And at the end of the day, we, we became friends and it was, it was good. So I would say in terms of that, it was uh, probably one of the best and most challenging opportunities I, I had. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think people think of the military and they think being a leader is easier because in that environment, people have to do, have to follow you or have to do what you say. But I've spoken to so many military leaders and and it's really not the case. I mean, there are so many ways to kind of rebel against leadership and it ends up the stories end up being the same as being in, in corporate leadership. The the challenges are the same and having to build the trust and the respect are all the same. Yeah, absolutely. I, I the my, my military experience 
coming out of that and going into the corporate world was really beneficial for me because I still use it today. I still follow the same sort of code, which is very structured and using the chain of command. I still have that same sort of mentality as I, you know, uh, as I've grown up in the industry, I still look at things the same way. You know, would people go to battle with me? Would I, would I go to battle with this person? You know, how can we gather as a team? How can we grow together? And so it was a, it was a, a short tenure, but I feel those four years were so impactful in terms of organization, culture, uh, building teams, and growing as a leader myself. So it was mm. good. Great. Good. And you, you did mention a little earlier, if I can circle back to it, when we were talking about maintaining your integrity, um, can you maybe talk about the detail or like a, the specific example of where you had to overcome or manage fear? So when you're talking about fear, was you talking about an integrity decision or are you talking about just making a change with a person? Like, um, I guess maybe let's, instead of going back to integrity, but maybe talk about like making just like any kind of change in your career. So I have a, I have a, I have a couple of different examples. One, one specific example in my career that was really impactful was every, there was a lot of change in my career, my 30 years of 30 plus years, <laughs> try not to date myself here, but 30 plus years of, of my career, I've had a lot of change. And, and most of that change, I would say the majority of that change was managed by me. I love change. I'm exhilarated by it. I absolutely love it. And so you know, I, I set my career uh, from the from the very beginning. These are the things that I wanted to do. And a lot of my goals were, you know, three and five year goals. Okay, by this time, I'm going to do this and this and this. And so, but there was this one goal that I set and I made it. It was awesome. It was amazing. And I set this goal at this one company where I was going to run the company. And so I started out in this position and I, I got promoted to this position and up and up and up and I made it. Good job, right? So check, I made it. Well, I had this amazing boss and I, I, I just loved him as a boss. He was just one of my favorite of, of all the people I'd worked with. And so, I, you know, I'm in the position. He finally promoted me. I mean, after me just working, just working at him and working at him, working at him. I mean, he had hired like three people before me. They didn't work out. He finally promoted me. I'm like, great. He finally gave me a chance. And so I'm sitting there and I, one night I got the call and I remember it. I can tell you visually, if I close my eyes, I can tell you exactly where I was when I got the call that the board was going to remove him. Hmm. And it was the only time in my entire career I ever cried hmm. over my boss leaving because I'd been with the company 10 years longest time I'd ever been with a company. I really, really was happy. I had put my roots down. I, this was my place to the, to the extent where I felt like this was my family. Like mm -hmm. I, I knew this place, this was it. And so I knew, I knew my whole world was going to turn upside down when they removed him. I just knew it. And it wasn't like I was scared. It was just, you knew change was coming. Now I it was exhilarated by change, but remember most of my change was driven by me. So this change was different because it was coming from another source. 
an unknown source. And I was fine with unknown sources, but I was controlling those unknown sources. I was like, I'm doing this all by myself. And so now this change is coming from a different source. And so I, I was like, okay, okay, okay. I can do this. I can do this. So I'm like, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this challenge. So I knew being in the seat that I was in, when a new person takes over a company, they usually want their people. Mm -hmm. And I was ready to accept that. But I, but I, I felt like I could, I could win him over. I could do this. Everything was going to be fine, but it wasn't. And so after about, I don't know, three or four months, he sat me down and said, we're going to make a change. Mm -hmm. And so for the first time in my career, it wasn't me. And I had to, I had to exit the business and I was devastated. I was, and I knew all the reasons weren't really about me but it still felt really bad. And so I had to make a lot of changes. I mean, I pulled up my, my bootstraps and I moved on and I went right to work at another company. But the impact of that to me was really significant. And so that change, it resonated with me for a couple of years. It really did. It, it messed with me. <laughs> it was kind yeah. of like, you know, how, how can I get over this? And I, I remember thinking it took, it took a minute for me to really step back, do some, take some stock in how I handled that and then come back and go, I could have handled that differently. And, and, and I, these are the things that I did differently going forward. And I think in all my situations, everything that I do, I always step back, take a minute and say, I could have done this differently. I could have handled this differently. And not that I handled it wrong because I was very professional, but I think if I would have, at the minute that I met him, if I would have done these things, it might not have changed anything, but I, I would have maybe changed the trajectory of what happened. I don't know, mm. but either way, I took accountability and my part in it and it, I felt better. I sort of forgave myself, forgave the situation and moved on and became a, you know, better me. That's how I always strive to be a better me. Yeah, I think that, and thank you for sharing that. I feel like that's so applicable to today where there are, in today's business environment, there are so many layoffs happening right now. And so many people are probably going through the same emotions or feelings, like what, what could I have maybe done differently? Is there anything that you would advise that based on your experience like any advice you would give them to maybe think through that process to not feel like it's about them like how how you got through that I think if I if I had to go through it again I hope I don't ever have to go through it again but if I if I had to go through it again I think the the best thing that helped me was really stepping back and and again taking stock in the situation mm -hmm. and understanding that we all regardless of what happens to us, sometimes this is so important and it is important in everything. Regardless of what happens to us, sometimes we don't have control of it, but we do have control of our reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we can't control that, we can't control us. And so we have the power to control our reactions. And so, you know, that, that can set off a motion of positive reaction or a negative reaction. And so 
I always take stock in what what I have what what power I have in it. So for example, someone comes to me and says, "Hey Karen, today is your last day." I can have a reaction that's explosive and I can sit and dwell on it or I can have a reaction that is, "Okay, where do I go from here?" Mm-hmm. I have to get up tomorrow and I have to do something, right? So what do I do? So, and I can also be angry at the company, but the truth is there are a lot of companies that are in the same situation. And so I know that it's hard to have those answers. I've had to make those decisions myself for people. And obviously I've been in that situation. So I think the only thing advice I would give to anyone, if this happens is take stock in your part and how you got there. And if you have, if, if it just happens and there is no part in what happened, obviously, then understand that companies make decisions for reasons. Sometimes you don't understand them and your reaction to it is important to your next phase of where you go. And the more positive you can be, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. It, is, it is hard. It's very hard to wrap your head around why companies make decisions, but they have to make decisions and we all have to move on. So, yeah, it, it is hard because especially when you, there's a culture and you have not, I hate to say family because everybody is like, stop calling it family. But when you, you know, you're, you've worked with some people in a company and you've given them your all and they have to make a decision. It's not about you at all. And uh, it's hard to really keep in mind that you're, it, you're working for a business and they, it's all about the bottom line. I mean, yes, they want to make it a culture. They want to, you, you want to provide a, an environment that works for you, but at the same time, they have stakeholders that they're accountable to. And that's always, I mean, unfortunately going to be the, the top priority. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. I mean, it, it is, you know, culturally, I think, and somebody said this to me the other day, culture they said people, people sometimes believe that culture is this big cloud that raises, you know, like floats around over everybody. And there's some big responsibility for it when really culture is about us as a people. And it really starts with one person. And, it, and it's not necessarily the top person. It's really just us. And we are responsible to smile at each other. We're responsible to be respectful for each other. We're responsible to share that that joy with each other. And so we have to be reminded that, you know, it, one person can really change a culture just by spreading that, that joy with, with each yeah. other and every day. And, or one person can be negative and spread that same sort of negativity. And um, it, culture is more about having a gift card or, you know, having a vacation day. It's really about how you feel every day when you come to work. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think, you know, it, I always, I do say it's, it's a family, it's kind of a family oriented type of thing. When you go to work, you spend more time there than you do at home. Yeah. But, and I think you should feel good while you're there. I mean, you do have to work, but you should feel good while you're there. But, but we do recognize it is work and companies do make decisions. And if we don't make decisions, then people don't have work. Right. I mean, that would be terrible. Right. So, so it is tough. It's a tough tough decisions that companies have to make. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious if you have any thoughts based on maybe some of your other experiences. So I've talked to women who have, are in high growth 
companies, organizations, or maybe private equity backed or venture capital backed companies. And when they are growing and they start getting additional funding, it's like the their new management comes in and there is always that fear, like that constant, like new, like new management where where do I fit in what are they how am I going to be perceived like do am I am I safe and and um is there something you recommend to maybe increase visibility or what approach should somebody take when they're in that environment of having to kind of prove themselves to to new leadership yeah I would say you know have a voice know your voice right and whether you're, no matter what you, no matter what position you're in, no matter, no matter whether you're female or male, you have to know your voice and know when to use it. And it's a, a lot of times I think exposure is so important. Um, and saying the things that when new management comes in, what they're looking for is opportunity. They're looking for what's new, what's available, um, how can, how can I, how, what is, how are we going to change the culture? How are we going to change the dynamic of this company? What's good here? What am I looking for? Right. That's good. That's what I was getting at. And so when companies come in, I always think to myself, okay, how can I be seen? Because, you know, I'm not just sitting at a table and I'm not going to be seen unless I say something. And, but I also, I also, but I'm also not a fan of talking just to talk. That is really, I'm really not a fan of that. So I think if you're just going to say something, it should be impactful. So knowing your voice, but also knowing what to say and when to say it is important to me. I've been around many tables where there's just a lot of talking, but nothing is being said. And I think that is not productive. So I think if you're going to say something, make sure that it is with intent and that it, there is something behind it. And sometimes there's that, uh, I've read articles about the quietest person in the room sometimes has the most to say. And I'm, I'm a fan of that person. I always watch for the quietest person in the room. And then I say, what do you think? And so they always, sometimes they'll say something because they're not, they feel intimidated not to speak. And I don't, I think feeling intimidated is sometimes where we, where we fall. And so I always look for the quietest person in the room. Yeah, I think that's such a great aspect of leadership is when when you do take stock of the room and recognize and get those voices to come forward because you're you're losing out on a lot of great information or perspectives if you're not you know opening up the conversation for everybody. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I so one of the things. I mean, in the environment now, there are so many buzzwords like quiet quitting, unconscious emotions, loud quitting, bare minimum Mondays, the great resignation, like you being a COO, are you seeing any impact to your organization or, you know, others around you on these different, different things that I don't, I, I wouldn't say, I feel like they're not, some of some of it's a little bit new, but a lot of it's just putting words to things that have always happened. Like, is there, yeah. is there anything that you, is there a way that you've been impacted in your operations? I think, I think everyone's been impacted. I, you know, buzzword, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of buzzwords, but I think, 
I think society itself just grabs onto a buzzword and then all of a sudden changes it because we don't want to call it that anymore. So we're going to call it this because it's cooler than that word. And so I think in terms of, you know, quiet quitting or the great resignation or, you know, the great, whatever we want to call it, it the next greatest word, I, I'm not a fan of that, but I do think that we as a society have changed the children of today, our children um, have changed. And, and what I mean by that is, is they're telling, they're saying something and whether they're, whether it's a quiet movement or a loud movement, what they're telling us, our generation is we don't want to do it like you did it. And so we're, we're putting our foot down and, and the pandemic was just really just a, an indicator or a check mark to us to say, you know what, we're home now and we like it and we don't want to come back to work. And so it's kind of funny to me because it's like watching it because I have three children in their thirties. Well, my daughter's not quite there yet, but, but they're close. And so, and, and they all have children of their own and, and they want to be with their families. And so they, none of them, I have one that works from home, but the other two don't, but their preference is to not work in the manner that I worked. And I get that. They, they lived a life where obviously I worked too much and, and they want to be home with their children there. They learned from me. And so I can only imagine what the rest of the world is feeling. Uh, I've, I know a lot of people my age and they all did the same thing. And so, so they're telling us, we want, we want this life. And, and by, by the way, technology is allowing it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking today and you are where you are and I'm here in Ohio and we're talking and this is amazing, right? We couldn't do this 30 years ago. Yeah. So, so can, we can work in technology. Technology is allowing us to do things we couldn't do before. And so why can't we do it? And so companies are, are, are structurally saying, I, I kind of agree with it, but on the, on the flip side, are we as productive as we used to be? And, and it's a great, it's a great debate. And I think we're all struggling with the great debate. And for me in my company, there are positions because I'm operations, there are positions that just don't make sense. And so I've said to those people, I'm sorry, guys, this just doesn't make sense. And quite frankly, you're just coming to work every day. And if you want a position that works from home or a hybrid position, then please, you know, apply. But there are positions that we can do hybrid. And for those positions, we are doing a flexible work environment. And I think people are happy with that. I think they would much rather work from home all the time, but quite frankly, it's, it's hybrid and that's, that's what we're doing. And so I think for companies that are kind of saying, no, we want you to come back to work when they can be hybrid. I think there's, they're struggling with the great debate. And I think that's kind of where, where we're at, but, um, but for us, what we're doing is, is working, but I still think we're, we still have people that are debating. I think we will for a long time. So I, I have noticed a lot of companies, a lot of big companies are now saying we need you to come back to the office. Like, do you, is it the talk of productivity that is driving that or are there other factors that you're seeing? I think it's, I think it's productivity. I think it's, I think it's engagement. Mm -hmm. I think the lack of engagement is driving a, a lot of it as well. So we, what we've realized over the years is that, or the, over the last year is that people work we feel that people work better when they're engaged. And, and I think there is, a, there is a factor of disconnect. I prefer it because I'm old school. Yeah. So again, you're getting my, my perspective of it because you know, of my age. 
But their perspective is, I'm perfectly engaged with you. We're engaging right now. But, but when you, let's say we're in a regular meeting, you're probably multitasking, mm-hmm. right? But when you come and you sit in a meeting with me in a room and we're being productive together, I can see that you're not multitasking. I can see that we're engaged at the product at hand and we're working on our project together. But when you're on a Zoom and you're on a Zoom and I've got 25 people on a Zoom, we're not engaged really, are we? Mm-hmm. And so we're all saying the right things and then we're going and doing our own things. And quite frankly, you're distracted at home because you got laundry and the dog and the kids and all the other things. And so really it's about engagement. We're, what we really want is to be engaged again. And I think companies are really moving towards that engagement more so than productivity. And I think the two are aligned, really productivity engagement. Oh, I feel the same way. Yeah. I, I miss the engagement. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I, I work primarily from home and I, I miss that. I, I really enjoy when I'm on these calls and getting a chance to really share ideas and, and talk and engage in different meetings that I have. It's funny though, that there are a lot of companies that have allowed, and I've seen it in past companies I've worked for, where you go into a meeting and, uh, you know, it's not my meeting, I'm not running it, but you can see other people, they have their laptops in and they're busy, like answering emails and typing away. So yeah. I, and that might not be the case for all environments, but engagement, I think becomes an issue for some companies too, even in, in person. So yeah, yeah that'd be interesting to see how this, this all works out yeah. and the fallout. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I'm curious, with, I know you've shared a lot of uh, some of the challenges you faced. What would you say would be the biggest challenge you faced as a leader in your career so far? Mm. That's, a, that's a good one. I, I thought about that when you asked me that the last time we spoke. And I would say probably, you know, if I were to pick one out of my whole career, I'm going to pick St. Louis. I was working in St. Louis and this is, I'm just going to pick this right out of the sky. And actually it came out of the sky. So this is an interesting one. Um, I, I started a job in St. Louis and, and I was, this was actually personal and professional at the same time as well. So I started a job in St. Louis in, in January of this particular year. And in May, I, I had happened to go home. I was living in an apartment at a time because I was in transition and I got a call that a tornado just hit our building. Mm. And, and it was, and all I could think of was I need to get there. People are at risk. It was on second shift. And so I was like, so is everybody okay? And they're like, you, you need to come. And so I, had, so I had these two little animals, two little dogs. So I was like, I can't leave them here. The, the weather's still too bad. So I threw them in these, in the back of my car and off I go. So as I'm driving into the building, so spare my story here, but it's, it's kind of funny as I'm, I'm driving, I'm thinking, oh, I see cars off the side of the road I and mean, trucks are literally hanging off of the bridge. I'm thinking to myself, I should not be out here, but I, all I could think of was the safety of these people. So I'm like driving, I'm getting to the facility and it's just, I see the fire trucks. I see just devastation. Like there's almost mm-hmm. nothing left of this building. All I can think of was, oh my gosh, you know, I hope everybody's okay. But oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is it's gone. Like I just got here, it's gone. And what are we gonna do? And so my my mind goes into this panic mode of um, you know, what I go to the to the nth degree first, which is devastation. 
and then I have to come backwards, right? So the most challenging thing was, okay, we're in true devastation. People might be in there. So I run up to the fire truck. I go, give me a construction hat. I know where to go. I know where the people are. So I, I asked if I can go in. He's like, it's not safe in there. And so me and this other guy who was in charge of disaster recovery, we, we said, we, we know where we can look if there's bodies. Because there were people, there were cars in the parking lot. We were sure there might be bodies in there. And so we... We, they gave us uh, uh, approval to go in. So we walked in, there was water up to our legs. I mean, we were just wading through there. Luckily there was no people in there. And we came out and I remember we were just both in tears. The people that had the cars actually showed up and said, hey, we just wanna let you know we were okay. We said, thank, you know, thank goodness, everybody's fine. And that whole night we're on calls with the company while the TV people were coming by, they wanted interviews, helicopters were flying over, everybody wanted to know what happened. And it was just a really moment, it was a moment of, of just stepping back and saying, wow, I mean, first of all, nobody got hurt. Second, what are we gonna do now? I've got 300 people that are displaced. Mm-hmm. What are we gonna do? So the next day, the sunshine, and I could see the devastation. So we walked through the building, and, and it, it really led to a really good story because after that, it was like the next day, it wasn't so bad. The next day, it was a little better. The next day, it was a little better. We ended up splitting into disaster sites. Everybody had to work together. The, the company did all the right things by the employees. Uh, six months later, we were on our feet and we were back and running. The, the personal side for me was scary because I had just signed the day that the, literally almost the day that the tornado hit, I had signed a contract on a house. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I just bought this house and we're not going to, I mean, I'm going to be here and there's not going to be a business. And what am I going to do? You know, so it was like all this stuff was going on in my head at the time. So I was thinking, what, what on earth is going to happen to me? And I'm going to be stuck here. And that's all I can think of. Like, oh, what's all this stuff is going on? It's like I have my own personal tornado with a professional tornado. But I, I, at the time, I remember challenging the president. I never met him before. He flew in and I walked right up to him. I had this construction hat on. I never met him. I said, I'm Karen. And I said, I, I said first of all, I, I just want to know the truth. Are we going to rebuild? If we are, great. I'm in it 100%. I'll be here with you every day, no matter what happens. If we're not going to rebuild, I'll keep it confidential. I'll stay with you through the transition. I'll be with you till the very end. I'll transition all the employees out, do whatever you need to do. I just need to know because I have this contract on my house. It's got a seven day recent. And I just want to make sure that whatever happens, I don't buy this house for no reason. And he committed to me and everything was good. But it was probably one of the, aside of the prior challenge I just talked about of being let go, this was probably the most, I would say, the most scary, exciting challenge that I had ever had to do. And, but when I stepped back and looked at it, it was probably one of the biggest growth opportunities that I had because it, it, I learned everything about the business from the ground up because we rebuilt it. And so it, when I look back at it, I was like, I don't think anything better could have happened because I, in like three months, I learned everything I could ever learn about the business. I, I bought every piece of equipment. I learned all the jobs. I met all the clients. I mean, all at once, it just happened all at once. I would have never done that if that wouldn't have happened. So it was actually a pretty cool event. It was scary, but it was a pretty cool event. So 
Yeah, I, I have to give you credit because a few have had just moved to that company and you got that call and free to jump right into it and put yourself at potential danger. And that's pretty amazing that you, I mean, did you have any hesitation at all or you just, no, yeah. no. I mean, I, I guess, you know, I, I, and it's not, it's just, it's my, <laughs> my family will tell you that if you ever, ever met them, they would tell you that my first inclination in any, any situation that is stressful like that, my first inclination is to just jump in. And I, mm -hmm. it's really, sometimes it's not good. Like my, my family's always like, mom, stop. I was like, but I just, I can't help myself. It's like, if someone is in danger, if, if an animal's in danger, if some, I just instantly jump in and I'm like, I don't even think about what the repercussions are. I'm just like, okay, someone's hurting. I need to jump in and just, I just go. And I feel like, a, like an air of responsibility for that. It's just something I do. That's amazing. Uh, th thank you for sharing that. Is there someone you can think back to who was an important mentor in your life who made a difference in, in your career or your life? Uh, yes, there's actually two. Can I? Can I? Yes, of course. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so uh, the first mentor is uh, my very first boss out of the military. And his name was Jeff. And I was just, I worked in the mailroom. I made $4 an hour. And he, he was the first guy that ever gave me a chance, which was amazing. And I remember, um, I remember getting hired by him and I just, it, he was just really good. I was pregnant at the time and it, very, it was very challenging at that time to get hired when you were pregnant. And so no one else would hire me. It was really hard. And so I, yeah, I remember going in there and not saying I was pregnant. Now they might've known I was pregnant, but I, this was the first one. I just didn't say I was pregnant. I just, yeah. cause I was being honest with everybody else, but I, I couldn't get hired. So I just didn't say it. I wore really big clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, um, so I got hired and I was working in the mailroom. I worked very hard and Jeff saw something in me and I, and he mentored me. I mean, he promoted me. He mentored me. I mean, all the way down to an understanding that when I grew up, I didn't have someone to really teach me anything. Mm -hmm. So I had, I grew up with three older brothers. My father died when I was very young. My mom went to work, so she wasn't really available. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have that sort of guidance. And so when I met Jeff, he taught me how to be a leader. He taught me how to be, when I'd come to work and, and I, was, I would speak a certain way, he would say, that doesn't make sense. This is how you need to speak. If you want people to listen, this is how you speak. And he would invite me to meetings and he would say, this is how you need to dress. And I would, I would fight him because I would say, no, I need to be an individual. And he said, you can still be an individual, but you, you can't come to work and speak this way address this way and get respect. This is how you maintain your individuality and you can still be a leader and you can still do these things, but you, if you want respect, these are the things that you need to do. And so we, we, I mean, we had a great run and he was, he was brutally honest. He uh, told me the things I needed to hear. He knew how to say it. And to this day, 
exactly the, the best thing that I needed at the time. And when I left him, I was, he, he said, it's like a bird leaving the, the nest. He's, he was so proud of me and I got promoted and to another job and he was so happy for me. And it was everything that I could have ever asked for. Mm -hmm. um, so I was really proud to be a part of his life and I will forever appreciate what he did for me. Mm -hmm. And when I left, he bought me a dress and he said, this is, and I actually, I, I hated it. I thought it was so plain. And so like, I would never wear it, but I understood why he bought it. He said, this is the kind of stuff you should wear when you go to meetings and stuff. But, but I, I said, I really appreciate everything that you've done for me. And, and I, I wore it a couple of times and I was like, you know what? He's right. This is, this is, and he really launched my career for me. He taught me how to be a better person. Yeah. And the, the second person that I uh, wanted to mention was a woman named Deb, who similarly in a second half of my career took me under her wing and taught me about management. And she, she rounded the rest of my edges. She was very supportive. She taught me about women in leadership, how to act, how to be strong in a situation where you needed to be strong and you know how to get things through the system you know, when you needed to. And she was, she supported me in ways that I, I can't even describe. She was amazing and still my friend today. So yeah. uh, loved her. So yeah, um, that's, a, I think that's so important and amazing stories. Thank you so much for sharing. And I every, wish everybody had mentors in their life that Thank really you. took them under their wing and, and helped them along like, like you had. With, I think it's important to know, like when people talk about being authentic and being true to who you are, there is also your setting, like where you're at and how you kind of portray yourself in, in that new setting. So I think it's important to know that you can still be authentic to yourself while coming into an environment and being respectful and knowing that you have to build trust and how do you use your strengths that you have and maybe um, speak in, in a bit of a different way that resonates more with the people that you're leading. I, I think that's, that is hard, like in, to try to figure out like, where is that line between the authentic, being authentic to yourself, but knowing that you uh, need to come across in a certain way to be able to build that trust and lead your team. I don't, does that make, I don't know if you have any yeah. thoughts on that. Yeah, I think I always, <laughs> I always describe that as holding people at an arm's length. You can hug them, but you're hugging them sort of through a, through a glass pane. And that has, that was a hard transition for me because I loved people so much. I, I wanted to, because I was, because I was repaired. And, and again, I'm always a work in process, so I don't want to mis, misconstrue the statement. When I, when I grew up in the business, and, and when I tell you these people impacted my life, um, I'll tell you just a real quick story, and I'm sorry if I'm dragging it on. You can no, certainly, no, no. You certainly uh, uh, stop me. But uh, one of the things that Jeff did for me, when he promoted me years and years and years ago, my first job, <clears throat> I was promoted to a supervisor, and he put me on salary at $6 an hour. That was, that was my problem. I've been on salary since then. But I remember saying to him, because I was a single parent at the time, I had two, my, I had my two boys, and 
I sat in his office and I cried and said, I have to quit. And he said, why? And I said, I can't afford to live without overtime. I said, I would rather take my $4 and overtime than the $6 with salary. I can't, I can't pay the babysitter. I can't pay the rent. I can't pay any of this stuff. And I, and I, and it was almost, and he sat with me and he said, what, what do you need? What help do you need? And this was a man who said, I need you here at work and I need your mind at work and I need you, I need to know what you need. And he created these special projects for me so that I could help, he, I could help myself get out of the situation I was in so that I would get to the next phase. He said, I want you to understand how this is going to help you for the long run. Mm-hmm. And he goes, the salary is going to ultimately be good for you. Now, I didn't understand that being put on salary at $6 an hour. I just trusted him. And he helped me through that by giving me projects that I could make extra money on. And I, even though I worked so much, I understood that this was going to help me because I trusted him. And one Christmas, I cried because I couldn't afford Christmas for my boys. And he would tell me, because Christmas is a luxury and your boys are too little, they won't ever remember it. And so I want to tell you just this real quick story what he did. So I, I closed the building down every night and I opened it up every morning. And he said, are you okay? And I said, everything's fine. I'll close it down. I said, I'll see you. I'll see you next year. Cause he was taking the last two weeks off. And so I went around the building. I shut all the lights off and I came back to my desk and my desk was filled with presents <laughs> and all the presents were wrapped and they all had my kids' names on it. <laughs> and there was a note on it that said, and I always, I always get really sentimental when I think about it. The note on it said, this is donated from a group of people who believe in me. Keep going. Wow. wow. And so that was the most special Christmas I ever had because this was from a group of people who believed in me. And when I, when I put those presents under the tree, I had no idea what they were. And my kids just opened them up and they were so little. And I just watched them open it. And I thought to myself, this is, this is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And the love that they gave me, I committed to myself that I would give back to other people. And so when I meet people like me, who have the same conviction, who want to be better, who want to do something better with their life, I want to do that for them. That's how I stay authentic. So when I talk to people and I have that glass pane in front of me and I hug them, I hug them with the same love that I was given at that same time. I say, we still have to do what we have to do. But, you know, if you need help, we, we're, I want to try to help in some way, shape or form. I want to say, listen, this is important. We need to fix things. So how are you going to help fix yourself? And then I'll meet you halfway. Let's work on this together, right? Let's try to help each other. Let's be a better, let's be better humans, right? There's a lot of people out there that want something better for their life. Well, certainly we can't fix everybody, but if everybody partners with someone, right? Think of all the work we could do. Mm-hmm. That's a, such a great lesson in leadership and caring about your people and knowing who they are. And it, I think circles back really well to where we started with that, that culture and yeah. Oh, you brought like, I have like little tears in my eyes from that story. I thank you so much for sharing that with everybody. Wow. Yeah. So everybody listening, your leadership goals is to really 
understand and know your people and really support and help develop and grow those that that want it and have have that show that show you that potential absolutely so we talked about looking out for wellness of our employees let's talk about wellness of ourselves because as a leader you can't really be an effective leader unless you're taking care of yourself and and i mean it's just so it's so hard sometimes to be passionate about what you do at work and then make the time for yourself. But a lot of people get burned out. And so I, I like to ask people questions around things that might be able to help people, like give them ideas on how they can support their wellness outside of work. So I'm curious if you have any daily or weekly routines that you rely on that kind of keep you grounded or keep you, um, keep your, your brain in, in the right place outside of work? So last couple of years have been rough on me, but I will tell you that there are certain things that I never vary from. So I, you know, I do exercise. I do, you know, those things very based on, because I travel so much. I've been hundred percent travel for like two years. So mm. it, it has been difficult to do that as consistently as I'd like to, but the things I never vary from ever is vitamins. I've been uh, avid, I'm, I'm health nut in terms of what I eat. And even when I travel, I know that your body is like 90% what you eat. And the rest is really just what you do with your body is certainly that is all helpful. But if you don't eat right, and you don't get the appropriate sleep with the travel, that's a little difficult too. But but my vitamins are my thing. I mean, I'm just absolutely 100% about vitamins. And then uh, water, I just my my water is my thing. I just love, I love water. I drink it all day long. And, and that's, that's my thing. So I love my vitamins and I love my water. That's my two things. And I just eat healthy. Yeah. That's, that's I think I also in 2006, I gave up sugar. And so I know it, back then it wasn't cool to give up sugar, but I read a book that said that your body doesn't need extra sugar. So I said, you know what, I'm going to try it. And I did. And man, it, I never went back. It was amazing. So I just don't really do sugar. So that's part of my health regimen. I don't just don't do sugar. That's great advice. And, and it is really hard to eat well when you're traveling. So yeah. I can understand. The... Very, much. <laughs> Very much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and about sugar, I'm not sure how long it took you, but I think it like once you decide to stop, it only takes a few days before your body stops craving it. So yeah. it's yeah. really getting through that the, the couple of days and usually, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I, and I would say, I, you know, I wasn't really, you know, I, I'd like to say I didn't really do that much sugar, but when my body, when I stopped eating it, like deliberate sugar, because there's sugars and everything, right? People always ask me, well, right. how did you do it? And stuff like that. I have certain rules around it, but you know, I don't eat deliberate sugar. Like I don't drink things with sugar in it. I don't, but obviously fruits have sugar in it. Certain things have sugar in it, but, but I don't, you know, I don't eat candy or cake or no cookies or things like that. There's no deliberate sugar. I don't add sugar to anything. Anything that has added sugar, I don't, I don't eat it, but it's, it's definitely a, it was definitely a life transition and it was, it was an amazing life transition for me health-wise. It was just, it was a big deal. Yeah. So do, would you say you kind of follow more like a whole foods approach that it, it's more like real food? So if it has sugar in it and it's real food, then. Yes. Yes. Know. I, okay. if I could, if I could do it every day, I would eat, you know, salad and vegetables and fruit. I would be, I, that would be my meal every day. I would love it. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, that's one thing that I just, I, I like bowls, but you start to add lettuce. I don't know if for some reason, like I just don't like lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody. <laughs> Why yeah. do you eat a salad every day since 2006? I go, I don't know. I just love it. It's like, yeah. I don't get it. After like three days, my body's like, where's my lettuce? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we make salads here. So we do make salads. It's just when when we make the salads, like my husband will not put not put lettuce in my bowl, but it'll be everything else. So right. Well, that's okay too. I mean, vegetables are good. So vegetables are awesome. I love them. Uh, is there a song that you'll, you go to regularly when you need a boost of energy or you need to like hype yourself up for something? You know, you're going to laugh when I tell you this song, it's actually not a funny song, but it's, there's a song that I feel, you know, as a, as a, kid growing up and I and I really wasn't a kid when I heard it but I felt I feel something so much when I hear this song that it it makes me it makes me feel better and that's the only way I can describe it and it's it's the song beautiful by Christina Aguilera oh yeah and so and she just recently redid the video and it's you know it really that whenever I hear that song I feel something about every woman or every person that's ever had to go through bullying or felt something or somebody felt, because I, I as a kid, <laughs> I, I think we all have experienced some sort of said something cross to you. And, and when I hear that song, it always reminds me that no matter what you're going through, you are beautiful, no matter what people say. And it's not really about your external being. It's about who you are in here. Mm. And so sometimes when I have a rough day or sometimes when I feel, you know, down about what's going on around me or even the world, because the world can be really ugly sometimes, you know, I go, you know what? You are beautiful. No matter what happens or what people say, you are beautiful. And I have to, because I have a very sunshiny demeanor and I really love to be sunshiny and, and, I want to maintain that for myself. And so when you go out into darkness sometimes, um, and, and sometimes people, you just can't help yourself because what's going on, people feel bad. And so you want to be sunshiny. You have to remind yourself that you're beautiful. No matter what happens, you're just beautiful. And it doesn't matter what you look like or what people say about you, what color your hair is, or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what size you are. It just doesn't matter. It's who you are as a person that makes you beautiful. Yeah. And that's why I love that song. My favorite um, song. Well, thank you for being that sunshine. I know that I, I know the world definitely needs that. So yeah. I, I love sunshine. <laughs> Is there uh, something that you've bought in the last year or so that's under a hundred dollars that you said you would say has made a difference in your life that somebody might benefit from checking out? The only thing that I have bought under $100 in the last year that benefited me is this water bottle, <laughs> which is very funny, but I tell you, I take this thing everywhere. And if, and if it wasn't for all these awesome stickers that my children and grandchildren made me put on it, it wouldn't have all this character. But they demand that I have character and that makes me the sunshine person I am. So people are always like, do you really need all those stickers? I said, yes. <laughs> when your children and your grandchildren say you need stickers, you put the stickers on your water bottle. And that is yes. cool. And so I want to be cool. 
Nice. So nothing, nothing special about the water bottle. It's absolutely nothing. I actually, I just, I just love it. I love it because I love ice water. And and Mm. so I fill this thing up so many times a day and it's just, I, I, it holds water. I hold the ice water forever. I mean, no matter how many, but I I tell you, I, I could say that it holds ice for a long time, but I drink so many of them. It's like, but I can tell you, it's just an awesome, it's an awesome brand. I don't even know brand, the Takey, Taki. C-A-K-E-Y. So it's very common brand. Nothing very special about it, except that I love it. And uh, I, so I don't really have anything very special to add there, except that's my favorite water bottle. And I probably have a few of them that I travel with. I throw them in my luggage, throw them in my bag, but this one is my favorite. I take it with me everywhere. Yeah, no, that's absolutely special. I think, and especially with the stickers. I think everyone so. should have a water bottle that they carry with them, whether they put stickers on it or not. It's <laughs> one that they carry. And I see a lot of people carrying water bottles, and which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, uh, but that's mine. That's my favorite. So yeah. I think everyone should have one. Yeah, I'm the, I, I am kind of the same with. I wish it was water all the time, but a lot of it's just decaffeinated tea, but or iced tea. <laughs> yeah. But I'm all constantly back and forth. Like that's yeah. basically I get my steps in for the day, going back and forth to the refrigerator yeah. to get more. Yeah, I was thinking, <laughs> you know, I got my watch, but that wasn't a hundred dollars. I've got it. No, it's in my water bottle. That's it. <laughs> no, that's it. That's awesome. Thank Everything you. Everything else Thank is you. too expensive. <laughs> Is there a, a good book that you've read recently that you, either fiction or nonfiction, that you feel would benefit or entertain somebody that you'd recommend? So books. I uh, I love uh, anything by Brene Brown. Anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. absolutely anything. And I highly recommend it. I, uh, I will tell you a little story about uh, my adventure with books recently. When I uh, was at my prior company, I decided I was tired of doing everything, all my other routines. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna get a, uh, uh, I'm gonna get a treadmill because I was, I just couldn't get outside enough. And so I said, I'm gonna throw this thing in my basement. I'm gonna get Audible and I'm gonna start listening to books. So I started out with a Brene Brown book, and um, and it was Dare to Lead. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I love this book. So I threw in the pods and and what I found was that I wanted to. Um, I wanted to get through the book and I wanted to get healthy at the same time. So I was getting back in my routine. And so what I, what I really discovered through this process was that I was more interested in the book than the treadmill. So every day I committed to listening to another segment of the book while I was on the treadmill. So I was on the treadmill every day for an hour and I was like, okay, I can't wait till the next segment of the book. So I went from one book to the next book to the next book. I was doing this. Book. I mean, before I knew it, I had 50 books. I mean, it was like, I was through all these books and I was like, oh my gosh. And it was like listening to a motivational seminar every morning. And I was loving it every morning. I was energized to get up every morning at four o'clock, which I still do. And I was listening to this motivational seminar and I was going to work and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And I started this thing at work and I was like, everybody, well, I'm in a book club and they're like, oh my gosh, Karen, it's like, you're so full of energy. And I loved it. And, but out of all those books, my absolute favorite, favorite book was Daring Greatly. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was living that book. I, I read it or listened to it twice. I laughed during it. I cried during it. I was like, I am part of that book. I love it. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Brene Brown. <laughs> no, I want, I want to meet her. I want to be next to her. I want to talk to her. I want to have a conversation with her. Uh, I want, yeah, that's what I want. 
Oh, yeah. great. Yeah, it's she is how she helped me. There was a time where I was traveling back and forth between North Carolina and DC uh, driving. And I listened to at least two or three of her books on those drives. And she really helped me get through the, the hour hours. It's just, yeah, she's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Really good books. Well, so Karen, I really appreciate your time with me today and sharing all of this, all of this passion that you have for leadership and I'd love if you could, two things. One, if you have maybe some last parting advice to, to the audience to kind of hype them up as they move through their leadership careers. And also, if if, they're, if listeners are able to reach out to you, like where would be the best place to, to find you? Well, certainly, certainly if anybody would like to reach me, I'll start there. You can reach me on LinkedIn. I'm certainly on Facebook. Those are two places you can reach me or you can reach me on my email, holiday6772 at gmail.com. I'm happy to connect with anyone uh, who wants to chat or talk about anything and everything. I'm certainly available. And uh, my parting words are to hype everybody up is leadership is, is an adventure to me. I, I love I love what I do, but I most importantly, what the reason I got into leadership was because I love the people and the people make the difference. And for me, it's a, it's, it's, it's about how I impact them in this adventure. And they, they are without them, we can't do anything. And so without you, we can't do anything. And, and we, we are all in this together. So we have to manage this, this crazy place together. And so we, we just have to figure it out. So I, I think in leadership, as you're managing people, as you're managing and maneuvering your boss, you're managing and maneuvering your career, think about how authentic you want to be in, in managing, managing the direction that you want to go, plan that out and just figure out how you want to get there. And no matter what, don't sacrifice who you are for anyone and, yeah. and make it. Yeah. That's well, it. Those are great, great words of wisdom. And I'm definitely going to follow up with you about your book club to get some recommendations to put on my list. So awesome. Awesome. Well, it was great being here. Yeah. Great. Thank thank you so much for, for your time. And again, all of this great information you've, you've given to, to me and, and the audience. So it was great talking with you. Thank you. Okay, well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank All right. You. Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Michelle again. Just one more thing before you take off. If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash boss track or sign up for our free weekly newsletter. It's easy to sign up and easy to cancel. Every Monday, we send out a short exclusive newsletter of what we found during the week that we're excited about we're inspired by, and we're watching and reading. If you'd like to check it out, just to go to thebosstrack.com forward slash newsletter. Just type that into your browser, thebosstrack.com forward slash newsletter. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.